Pretty much everyone in the U.S. is having a really strange winter this year, with record snows and rain on the west coast and record heat on the east. It's finally starting to get cold enough to go ice fishing. So we called Scott Merwin, a private ice fishing guide in Minnesota, to find out how to get started catching fish without falling into freezing water. Then, in our Curious Idiot segment, I join associate editor Kevin Dupsick in trying to figure out how to save and share photos in the cloud without sending them to the wrong person or losing them forever. Finally, in our testing table, we test some New Year's resolutions from our shop notes section, whose tagline is easy ways to do hard things. In this weather, we could all use help with that. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler, and this is the most useful podcast ever. We have with us Scott Merwin, who is a full-time fishing guide in Minnesota, who says all he does is fish. He's actually out on the ice right now, ice fishing. Um, hi, Scott. Welcome to the show. Ooh, I've got one on right now. So. Oh, you just, <laughs> you just caught a fish? Yeah, let me set the phone down for just one second. <laughs> sure. Uh, a nice 10-inch crappie. Wait, seriously? You just caught a 10-inch fish while you're on the phone with me. <laughs> I'm, scared. I'm scared I'm going to drop my phone in the hole. My brother-in-law did that the um, day before yesterday. Really? Yeah. How so often does that happen? Um, I've seen it twice, and it's been him both times. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's your brother-in-law's problem. <laughs> so how big, of a hole, well, how big of a hole is it that you're fishing through right now? Uh, it's a 6-inch hole. And are they, and, um, is that standard, or like how does, how does that work? There's six, eight, and ten, and some people use, like, a four-inch hole, too. You know, it just depends on the ice thickness. Today, I'm out on, like, five inches, six inches of ice. Okay. Yeah, speaking of that, that's the thing. I've never been ice fishing. I've, to be fair, I haven't been fishing much either. I've gone a few times. I like it. Um, but ice fishing scares me because I feel like I don't know anything about the thickness or safety or any of that. Um, and I feel like that's got to be something that is pretty important to you guys. What What are some things, if somebody wanted to get started in ice fishing, what should they know? Yeah, Clam, clam Outdoors sells um, pretty much everything you need for ice fishing okay. um, and safety. So there's a couple things. They, they have the spud. It's basically an ice chipper. You, you, you When you're walking out, you want to slam that on the ice and make sure it doesn't go through. If it goes through, then you need to back off and... And, um, so that doesn't weaken the ice at all? Before I feel like I'd be scared that I'd be weakening it's, it. It's kind of sharp, so it goes right through it. Oh, okay. All right. You know, it makes about like a, a one-and-a-half-inch, two-inch hole through the ice. Um, that's that's pretty important when you're first going out. Um, another thing they make, uh, Clam has a, an ice armor lift suit, and if you do go through, it floats so you won't sink. Oh, right. You know, that's pretty important. I'm still wearing that right now because the weather conditions up here, you know, are, are different than most years, you know. Another thing, you, you want to wear some spikes around your neck and uh, throw rope. What's the, what do the spikes around your neck do? If you do fall in, it's, you know, you, can, you hold one in each hand and it has a spike and you can um, stick it in the ice and pull yourself out of the ice. Oh, so it's kind of like out a of necklace or something that you, you can just grab the pieces of it. And... Yeah, and that's, you know, I, I'm carrying one of those still. You know, and the throw rope in case somebody has to pull you out or you have to throw it to somebody that fell in. Right. Is So um, is ice fishing like a buddy sport then? This time of year, um, I've made sure I've had a buddy every time I've gone out. Okay. Um, now it's starting to get five, six inches of ice. You know, you can, as long as you go out to where you know the ice is safe, you'll be okay, but still check, you know. Right. Well, what do you uh, use to drill a hole in the ice? 
Actually, um, Clam has a conversion kit that your a grill, uh, any cordless drill you have in your garage will work. The, it just depends on the amperage, but I can get about 50 holes in two feet of ice. They're super lightweight. You don't have to carry gas, just extra batteries, um, very convenient. So you just, yeah, you just use your own drill and then it's like an attack, it's like a bit, sort of? It's called the conversion, the auger conversion kit or drill conversion kit. I, I couldn't live without it. I just started using it two years ago and I'm like, how did I do this before? The easier I can get it, you know, to get out here and get fishing, the better it is for me. You know, you want to make it quick, fast and convenient so you can move and stay on the fish. Right. Speaking of staying on the fish, where do you? How do you know where to drill a hole? I mean, do you just assume that there's <laughs> fish under the hole? I mean, <laughs> well, experience. Um, you know, I look at mapping and um, structures on the lake, um, and the, the type of year. Usually, I, I start on the north or the north end of the lake because the water's just a little bit warmer. Okay. And the fish like to, another good thing to look for on mapping is weed beds and. Um, you want to find green, healthy weeds because that's where the oxygen's at. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, the oxygen levels are pretty good in the lake, so they're not really in the weed beds yet. And they, you know, that'll be a little later in the season. So once ice has been over, I didn't even think of that. Once the ice has been over the lake for a while, there's not as much oxygen in there. Yeah, it, it, it depletes the oxygen, and then um, then the weeds actually make oxygen. <laughs> Do you move throughout the day as you're ice fishing? Like, do you, you know, do you abandon one hole and move to another one? Oh, I'm constantly moving. Um, if I don't see fish on my my electronics, then I move to another hole. I keep drilling and drilling. Um, the other day, I was on a guide trip, and I I want to say I had to drill about 25 holes per fish that the guy caught. We finally wow. got his limit, but it took a while. How many holes are you allowed to drill? Can you just drill as many as you want? You can drill as many as you want. So you run out of gas or batteries. Is that and but is that true for all lakes? Yeah. Okay. So what about the kinds of fish that you're going to catch and the bait that you should use and, and just kind of technique? I mean, do you put is it still a worm on a hook or are you using lures uh, or? That's more summer. Um, and in the winter, I, I switch over to to clam pro tackle and and Mackie plastics. One of my favorites is the drop kick jig from clam and then. And what is that? What does that look like? It's it's kind of diamond shaped. If I had to explain it, with a flat head. Okay. Um, so you get a better reading on your electronics. You, um, you mentioned the electronics. What do you do? You use like a, a depth tractor, tracker, like a sonar sort of thing, or what does it actually do? It it actually sends a a, a sonar signal down. Okay. And um, tells you what depth they're in, and I missed that one. (laughs) (laughs) I keep forgetting that you're fishing while you're talking to me. (laughs) I've I've actually caught three so far, but... um, That's amazing. You're just, like, talking like normal, and you're catching three fish? (laughs) A simple way to put it is it sends a a wave down, and it hits the bottom, and it comes back up, and and it puts these marks on a flasher unit that tell you what depth the fish are at. And it'll also show them coming up to your, your jig or plastic. And uh, so does that go through the ice, or do you have to drill the hole first? Oh, and... you actually set what's called a transducer in through the hole in the ice. Okay. 
because I, I feel like that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> not, not that, I mean, not that fishing, I guess, is fair to the fish, but it wouldn't be fair if you just run around with the ice thing, or you know, with it on top of the ice and figure out where they all are. Yeah. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> I'm sure that's coming. Just... So what, what have you caught so far? Um, seven crappies so far. Wow. Um, and what, do you, what will you do with them? I am a big catch and release guy. So okay. So I you, just like to catch them. If I get a nice one, I'll take a picture and release them. Do you ever eat them? I, I do, because, and, and during my summer guides, mm-hmm. if I have one that doesn't make it, then I'll usually keep it, and I usually end up with my limit in the freezer. Uh-huh. I get to eat a lot of fish through my clients. You know, we go out and catch them. I clean them for them, and then they cook them and invite me over to eat them. <laughs> that sounds like a good. That sounds like a good gig. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I I enjoy it. I just enjoy seeing people catch fish. <laughs> the, the smile that, that they give, you know, it, it, that's why I do it. I believe it. Um, I've never caught a fish in my life, but I hope one day I will catch a fish. You should come to Osakis. I'll put you on the fish. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe I will. Awesome. Well, um, this has been super helpful. Best of luck for your continued fishing. Thank you. We are back in the Popular Mechanics Workshop with the segment we call Curious Idiots. And today it's actually Curious Idiots because I'm going to I'm gonna cop to not having any idea how to do this either. Kevin Dupsick, who is our standard... Uh, Regulation curious idiot. I'm the everyday curious is, uh, the idiot. The everyday curious idiot is here um, and doesn't know how to. What is it you don't know how to do? <sighs> well, lots of things. But <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, what I feel pretty lost about is um, sharing photos through the cloud. It's. It seems to me I know what the cloud is. I know what photos are. I don't really know how to <laughs> know which ones are. are where, at what time, and how to get them or give them. So yeah. That's that's kind of that might be too much for you to handle in one session, Alex. But. That's we'll make it work. Working. And this is Alex George, our tech editor, who is the opposite of a curious idiot when it comes to a phone. So how many options are there? Uh, realistically, maybe a uh, dozen or so services, maybe six of which are actually useful. These are like Flickr, Amazon Locker, uh, iCloud photo sharing. But they, the one that I end up using when, whenever I'm sharing photo, like I've put together a photo album for uh, an online gallery or when we're here at work. I use Google Photos, and now it came out, I forget how long ago, but a while ago. So far, it is the most preferable one of all of them. But again, they all, they all have different pluses and minuses. I've, I've so, heard that from other people, though. I've heard Google Photos from other friends. It is, it's yeah. Do. Well, specifically, so what are you trying to do that we're talking about a scenario where you've returned from vacation or something yeah. like that? Yeah, well, okay, so here's my recent difficulties. Uh, over the summer, I went to Cuba with two friends. We all just took our, our, our only cameras we brought were our phones because we were worried about going to Cuba. I didn't know how much, if we'd have any trouble getting stuff in or out. So we all took photos. You know, we all took like 500 photos each or something in the week we were there. And when the trip was over, we needed a way that we could all see like the 1,500 or whatever total photos that we had taken and we could all download them if we wanted to be able to like show them to people offline or print them out or whatever. No clue how to do that. What I was going to say about the Google Photos, is that similar to Google Drive? Correct, yeah. If you have if you if I have Gmail or a Google Drive or a Google account, then I already have Google Photos. Correct. Okay. Oh, well great. I already have that. But then you have to like Good get the me. app for your phone still, right? Right, but I guess, yeah. The more helpful way to think about it is when whenever you talk about the cloud, a cloud, it's basically a company's storage space 
that they have. They're, they're actually, a lot of them are underground in the Midwest. They, they, you ever seen these pictures of Google Sounds storage? Like the opposite of a cloud. Oh, completely. Yeah, it's exactly a subterranean <laughs> cloud. So basically, it's this underground space where they, cold space where they store people's collected data. It's, and cool thing about Google is they're very good about keeping everything encrypted. It's very secure. Their two-step verification is good for that. So you can imagine having a little section of that for yourself that you just access. And then what you can do is allow permission for a certain number of people to read or read and write to that specific space that you have. So that's what I'm talking about when it says, when you say, we want to make an album, Cuba 2015, and then have that be, you say, I want my friend Dave to, at whatever, at Gmail to be able to upload to it. And then... Uh, the only drawback is it doesn't draw, it doesn't store it at the highest resolution. But generally, you're looking at pictures on your phone or on your computer. It's good enough for that. Uh, and that's, but that's the only way you can do it. So you have unlimited free storage. The other part that Google doesn't really talk about too much is that when you upload it, at last I heard the fine print said you give, you waive rights to the pictures. So that's why no oh. one from, you know, hey. no professional. So if you're a photographer, yeah, okay, correct. So they phot- photographers. Every photographer I talk to still uses a physical hard drive. They don't. They do a little bit. You know, some of them will do cloud storage. But again, if your goal is to just kind of show it to as many people as possible, a Facebook photo album is still probably the best way to actually have a dialogue and to make something that a whole bunch of people can participate in. But if you want to have it just for you guys, I would say doing the Dropbox or specifically setting up a Google uh, photo album is the best way to do it. For most of these services, whether it's Google or Dropbox, is there a good way of knowing like? Um, like sometimes I've wondered, like if I delete the picture off my phone, does it get, delete, get deleted from the cloud too or vice versa? I'm always like worried that I'm going to end up like deleting the one that I don't want to get rid of or I won't be able to access it again or something. There's a wildly unsatisfying answer that they haven't quite figured that out. That syncing across everything is not precise. So basically, okay. generally what uh, the, most of the apps will try and do, which I think is pr- makes the most sense, like Google Photos does this, tries to replicate what you have on your phone. So if... You go in and say you delete uh, three photos from your Google, you know, within the Google Photos app. It'll delete that from your phone as well. So it'll delete all three instances of that. Uh, so it'll sync up. But if you, it's not precise, I use a couple of different backups, so it's mm-hmm. not all precise around all of them. There's, another, there's an app called PhotoSync that somebody showed me recently. That's the only way I found that actually unifies them. But the, this really actually comes down to a kind of how you feel about it. I've heard a lot of people say there's no reason to ever delete a photo because you can just get more storage or it's free and like why risk it? Yeah. But I hate that idea of disorganization. <laughs> I was the guy who like had to fill in every little criteria on my iTunes collection because I didn't like it having disorganized. Oh, I oh. like that too. Does that, does that resonate? Wait, y'all serious? No, not yeah. me. Oh, completely. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'd find the album art too. I'm a sham. I, my so my I iTunes to... was a shambles. Like there was a whole section at the end that was just like, Track one that one. Tra- yeah, yeah, track oh, one. Unknown artist. Like, you disgust no me, Jackie. It's, the, it's the absolutely <laughs> terrible. I used to get every album art, too. I stopped doing that like when I was still in college because I had like, too many albums. But it still bothers me when I come to an album and it's just a picture of a freaking music note. Yeah. I don't want a picture of an eighth note. Spotify does that when it's offline. Drugs me insane, too. But anyway, if you're <laughs> organizing, like, if you're that, you can find that. Neurotic music. idiots. Yeah. That's, a, that's <laughs> our next segment. Curious but neurotic idiots. We're going to have a slightly different testing table in our workshop today. I have Kevin Dupsick, who is the editor of Shop Notes in our magazine, Popular Mechanics, uh, where he comes up with, uh, do you come up with them or do you find them? He comes up with the, the coolest ideas. I would like to say I come up with them, but I mostly find them. And some of them are things that 
uh, we have kind of in the popular mechanics archives. Some of them I stumble across online. I've a few I can give credit to friends who've told me about. But these are these are what they're like uh, home improvement tips, life improvement tips, life hacks. Yeah, now we'd call them hacks. I think the funny thing when I look through the popular mechanics archives, they used to be called kinks, which I think is really funny. And I don't think we can really use that term in the magazine anymore. Well, so uh, because you're an editor of Shop Notes and it is the first podcast of the new year, we thought that, both Kevin and I thought, that we would try out some life hacks from yep. Shop Notes and also from other places. Um, I had a uh, spackling project that I needed to do. I had some holes in my wall where our um, TV holder used to be mounted mm -hmm. um, and we'd taken it down and there were some pretty big holes because you have to use pretty big bolts for that. Yeah. Um, so I tried a couple of different things. First off, I was uh, shipped these sandits, which are, they're, they look like sandpaper Q-tips. They have different grit on either side. This was a 120 and 180 grit mm -hmm. one. And I used the 180 grit to just kind of smooth everything out before I started spackling. And it worked great. It's not, that's not really the ideal purpose. Yeah, well, I was going to say, what is the, what's like the, the use case that they... Yeah, they want you to use it on like school projects and for corroded electrical contacts and like tiny hard to reach places that you need to like clean something off, but you can't yeah. get your whole hand in there. Yeah. Um, so it worked really well. And then the hack that I used actually was so, so I did I used the spackle. And whenever I do that, I feel like I can never get it quite flat. And that makes mm -hmm. me crazy. And this is right in front of my couch. So if I sit on my couch, I have to look at it. Um, and so this hack suggested using a credit card and, and dipping it in water after you, oh, so you apply, okay. right. You apply the, um, the spackle and then you dip the credit card in water and just kind of slowly drag it across. And you, and what I ended up doing is kind of flattening it against the wall and slowly dragging it across. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, I, I'm not the biggest spackler. I don't think I've spackled <laughs> as many things as some people in this office, but I, th it's the best spackling job I've ever done. I almost took a picture of it. To really? Send, yeah. To send to my mom who is really handy. <laughs> so this is, a, I, this is actually really useful to me because I really like hanging things on the, on the wall. Mm -hmm. So like every time I move out of an apartment, I have like 200 nail holes to fill. And uh, usually I just get charged out of my security deposit, but it'd be nice to save yeah. some of that money. Um, so why don't you tell me what your what hacks you tried? For yeah, your... so uh, I tried two also. Um, so the first one has to do with, I always get made fun of for this. I have a lot of keys. In some ways, it's my own fault. Like the key ring that I have. In some ways, it's your own fault? <laughs> well, the key ring that I have with me right now has, this is these are my everyday keys. <laughs> oh my God, that's a lot of keys for everyday keys. I know. Okay, so, but they're, they all have a purpose. Um, one of them is the key to my parents' house in California. I need that with me every day. <laughs> I have the key to my Jeep, which is also in California. And this is more of a, like, just to remind me that it's still there waiting for me mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but so I tried this on this key ring, but the purpose is actually for another key ring. But basically what I did is... Do you need that weight? Is that a weight? This is actually... This is really cool, actually. I wish our listeners could see this. This is a lighter. What? Whoa, that is the coolest thing. Um... <laughs> So basically, I have a lot of keys, and there's some keys that I use just often enough that it's a pain when I can't find it, but I use infrequently enough that I can never find it because it looks like all my other keys. So the the tip was actually to drill a hole off-center in the top part of the key and put the key ring through that. And because the hole's off-center, the key hangs crooked, and then you can find it really easily. And that's helpful. I mean, like you don't even have to be able to see it. You can just feel on your key ring this, mm -hmm. one, this one hangs funny. What I realized when I went to do it is that I actually didn't have to drill a hole because this key, and a lot of keys have this, actually has like three holes at the top. Mm -hmm. And I was asking Roy Berenson, our home, our senior home editor, 
um, just to if who can do anything. Yeah, I was just <laughs> I was just asking him like where the drills were, and then as I was asking him, I noticed like oh this already has another hole in it, and he and I were talking, and he was like, that's a great idea, and I'm sure that's why that hole's there, and I've definitely looked at keys like this and thought like. Why does it have I to be I guess it looks nice, but that seems wasteful to drill all the extra metal out. That's like but this is, it's exactly what this is for. It has to be. Well, awesome. I think that uh, I'm going to try this key ring thing because I've got two keys and I can never, I have to do it by feel. So It's um, great. Yeah. No, the, the shop notes like motto, which we just took from like the original shop notes that Popular Mechanics published annually, literally a hundred years ago, is easy ways to do hard things. Mm-hmm. And I don't like New Year's resolutions, but... I find the hardest ways to do easy things. So I think that's like my resolution is like find the easy ways to do hard things. And, and or at least finding easier ways to do easy things. Yeah, right. That's, that'd be a good start. So that's our show. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by Jack Dillon. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes, and while you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. If you want to read more about getting started in ice fishing, you should check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.